You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Tonight, I want to bring to this pulpit a man, Bishop Wells. We know him as Bishop Wells. He is, in fact, Dr. Wells. And he came here some 30-plus years ago now to O'Fallon, and he's the founder of O'Fallon Apostolic Assembly. He is an author of a book and various other things. He is the current administrator for the Haitian District Council, and there is quite a man, a repertoire of the things that he is involved in and accomplished with, associate professor still for Rehoboth Bible College, many other things, but I'm glad to have him as a champion of the Jesus name message. Acts 2.38. We were privileged, amen. Amen. We were privileged last year to take part in their vision conference, which has taken place every year now for a host of years. And so great to be a part of that. And it was Visions of Pentecost Revisited. And I, I love the spirit that I felt, amen, and his passion just sitting with him in his office and his desire for end-time revival. I'm going to invite you to stand together tonight, and we ask, amen, God to have his way. I want to open my heart, my life, amen, to what the Lord wants to speak to us tonight. Amen. Would you lift your voice right now? Let's pray. God, have your way tonight. We ask your anointing. Lord, it's already in this place. Let our ears be open to hear. In the name of Jesus Christ, anoint your messenger tonight. We're ready to receive. We love your truth. We love your word. We love your way. In Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Would you put your hands together and welcome Bishop Gregory Wells to this pulpit tonight. We're glad to have you at CTK. You may be seated this evening in the presence of the Lord. We honor him, for it is in him that we live we move, and in him we have our being. Everything that can be said good about us is because of him. Amen. Of ourselves, we can do nothing in this age and in this culture of independence and seemingly self-sufficiency. We recognize that our sufficiency is of the Lord. Amen. It was he who woke us up this morning. It was he who allowed us to be in our right mind. It was he who gives us activity of our limbs. Amen. And he is always good. Amen. There is no shadow of turning in him. Amen. And we can do nothing better with our lives than to live a life that's praiseworthy for his glory. Amen. To let people everywhere know there is but one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One God who is father of us all. Amen, 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 amen. We're happy to be here. Pastor Romine, God bless you all. Respect to you, sir. And to First Lady Romine, God bless you. And the little man, amen. <laughs> amen, we're just happy to be here with you tonight. We count it such a privilege to have been invited to come and worship with you. And uh, we are excited for that privilege. I do thank God for the members of O'Fallon Apostolic Assembly. Amen. All the folks from O'Fallon Apostolic, will you stand up, please? Amen. All right. 
God bless you. You may be seated. Pastor, this morning I was teaching on uh, obedience. And uh, when I asked the saints to come tonight, I guess some of them got the message. <laughs> so they were being obedient to their pastor and came to worship with us on tonight. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm just happy to be here. And, and thank you so much for adding to my distress, by the way, because I, I was really, as we preachers sometimes do, especially when we're invited somewhere, we agonize over what God wants to say through us, amen, and what our message should be. And, and, and visiting a fellow apostolic church, you know, I, my mind certainly just went that way to, to talk to us about something that, that we certainly embrace together because uh, we are not in the numerical majority, but we are still God's people, chosen of the Lord. I love it, the people of the name. Amen. Amen. We know him in whom we have believed, and we are persuaded. Amen. We're not guessing about it. We're not still trying to figure it out. We are persuaded. Amen. And we thank him for that. And so uh, I agonized over whether or not to preach a couple of messages that, that I thought would resonate well with you uh, tonight uh, about our uh, joint faith. Uh, but I, I certainly felt God directing me a different way. So maybe in some future time, I'll come back and talk about unashamedly apostolic. Amen. Amen. That's uh, one of my favorites, one of my personal favorites. They call it heresy, but I believe the word and, and things of that nature. Amen. But, but tonight I want to direct your attention, please, to the 15th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. Because I believe there's a message there that God wants us to share uh, to um, fortify our position in these last and evil days. How many of you believe that these are the last days? Amen. I certainly do. I believe that these are the last days. Would you stand with me? And I'll just read just a couple of few verses uh, from the text. I want to greet Mother Hurt. I saw her earlier. God bless you. God bless you, my dear sister. God bless you in the name of the Lord. Uh, from this text, passage of Scripture, just want to read just a few verses. I'm sure to many of you, it's a familiar, uh, familiar text. And... Um, I want to read from verse number 52 down to and including the end of the chapter at verse number 58. And this is a few verses. Perhaps you'll share with me by reading the verses uh, responsively. I'll start with verse number 52. And if you'll answer with reading verse 53, we'll alternate down to verse 58, where we'll read that last verse together. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 52 reads... In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Read. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Read. 
The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, and all the people of the Lord shall say, those of you that have your Bibles, raise them before the Lord and say, Lord, bless us through your word. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. From this very familiar and I think very relevant passage of scripture tonight, focusing our attention at verse number 58, the apostle concludes his teaching on the importance of the resurrection by linking it to how we are to live now. Amen. It's as though he's saying, because of these truths, this should be our state of thinking. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. My subject tonight is being steadfast in a time of change. Being steadfast in a time of change. I'm sure I don't have to report the news to you. You can do that yourself and understand that we are in a society that's in the such uh, flux, such gyration, such instability uh, that we just don't know quite what to expect one day from the next. Amen. And, and it seems that on every hand and on every level, there seems to be so much fluidity and so much movement uh, that to make things so uncertain about how we are to conduct ourselves. But I don't know how you feel tonight, but I'm really very happy to know that the God we serve, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is God and he changes not. Amen. Amen. And so he's given us a solid place where understand. And so the chief job of the believer, I believe, in these last and evil days is to stand true to the profession of our faith. Amen. And demonstrate to the whole world that no matter what's going on, he's still God uh, and he's still in charge. Amen. He's still in charge. He's still in charge. So St. Paul, in this great passage of scripture, is teaching about the importance of believing in the resurrection. So evidently someone had begun to show among the Corinthian Christians that there was no such thing as the resurrection. We know that prior to uh, the time when the Lord had established the church and, and really when, when those who would become believers were uh, involved with Judaism, that the Sadducees ran the show, so to speak, and they taught that there was no such thing as resurrection. They did not believe in an afterlife. They did not believe in anything spiritual. And so some of that thinking probably came over. And of course, the Greeks believed what they, whatever they believed. And so some of this thinking had infiltrated into the church. And so Paul had his hands filled trying to help them to understand that this is a very important part of understanding the gospel. Amen. That you need to believe in the resurrection. 
Amen. And so, brothers and sisters, as apostolic believers, we are not just confined to believing about being baptized in Jesus' name and being filled with the Holy Ghost, but we are persuaded that it takes a holy, sanctified life in order to please God. Amen. And not only do we live right, but we have an expectation that he that shall come, he will come and he will not tarry. Amen. We have a belief that he's coming back for those who put their confidence and their trust in him. And so relative to that, we understand that there is a resurrection. And so one of the principal refrains in this passage of 1 Corinthians 15, St. Paul teaches about the belief of the believers according to the scriptures. Brothers and sisters, I cannot overstress how important it is that we believe according to the scriptures, not according to popular dogma and not according to what happens to be going on today, but we believe according to the scriptures. If whatever is being talked about cannot be scripturally verified, then we are under no obligation to walk therein. But what we believe, we can find it in the book. I'm so glad about that tonight. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that I can find my salvation in the book. Not in the Council of Nicaea, not in the later writings of other so-called church fathers, but I can see it right in the book. Amen. What Jesus taught us even through his apostles. And so this is critical for you and I to believe today. But unfortunately, there seems to be so many in our time who do not embrace the importance of the resurrection. Will you pray for me a little while tonight? Amen. They don't believe that the resurrection is that important. Uh, one writer in Adam Clark's commentary, and I'll just summarize it, he said that the church fathers all taught this. All of the apostles stressed about the importance of believing in the resurrection, that really it was an integral part of the believing of the gospel, which is the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how can you believe in a resurrection or not believe in a resurrection if you don't believe what Jesus did himself in rising from the dead? There is a resurrection. And those who are taught these teachings uh, must be edified and really confirmed in what God has already said to us. But we are in a day and time when it's not popular to talk about these things. Rather, it seems that the popular teaching and ministry today is that which encourages us to believe that it's as though we have heaven right here on earth. That, that, that we should strive for whatever this life can afford. And that there's something wrong with believing that the better is yet to come. Amen. Even though we've not been there and come back to tell it, but we have God's word. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there, ye may be also. So we have to get beyond this teaching about physical blessings. Now, there's nothing wrong with natural things, but they need to be kept in their natural place. Amen. Amen. God has looked to us and called us to be spiritual people with a spiritual appetite. And so here we are now. We're dealing with our adversary's use of deception in these last days. And we have to be true to God's teaching and understand that doctrine is not a bad word. 
I don't know how you feel about it, but it's been my experience sometimes to gather with other people who are nominal Christians, so to speak, and, and, and been told in so many words, it, it's okay for us to come together and, and talk about Jesus, but leave your doctrine behind. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how far up the road you can get without talking about the doctrine of who Jesus is and what he said. God requires us to share the teachings of the Lord. Our worship will get to be vain. Our worship will not be fulfilled if all we do is just talk about him in, in some kind of uh, vain and undescribed way. But God wants us to be able to explain to folks why we believe what we believe. We need to be confirmed in the truth that is the Bible and as it teaches us. And so the, the Bible tells us that the doctrine is so important because it's what's going to help us in the last days. If we don't embrace the doctrine of Jesus, then we are subject to the doctrine of devils. Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I don't know how you feel tonight, but I don't want to be walking according to the doctrine of devils. I don't want to get caught up in a cult of personality, following somebody just because they seem to be popular. I don't want to get caught up in the winds and tides of modern thinking that dispose of the doctrine of Jesus and embrace a doctrine of world's mentality. Uh, I don't know what you think about it today, but there's so much talk about just being tolerant that we just have to be tolerant of everything that's going on. And I believe, I believe in praying for people. I believe in loving people. But it does not mean that we have to abandon what we know the Word of God says. The Word is always right. And God says that, that you are saved, you are saved, if you continue in my Word. My, I, God, I hear that, Lord. You, do you hear the condition, if you continue? In other words, if at some point, even though you have been saved, but you no longer believe the doctrine that saved you, you will wander away from your place in God. And I know that that's not popular today that many people teach once saved, always saved, once in Christ, never out. But the Bible is very clear on the subject that you are saved as you stay in this position that God has placed us in. The tides are changing around us, but you and I must remain focused. We must be like David who said, I have believed and therefore have I spoken. We must be like James who said, faith without works is dead. We must have this constant and, and confirmed understanding that God is true and let every man be a liar. The life that we have to live with Christ must always be consistent with truth. When truth is strayed from, a bad behavior will set in. Whenever we err from the truth, bad behavior is what's going to result. That's why even in this passage of Scripture, St. Paul says in verse number 33, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Got to watch who you hang around with. Got to watch who you associate with. It's always good to be with people who believe the truth just as you do. 
and walk in the same path. God is very clear on the subject that you and I have to stay on the right track because no matter what people say and no matter how people act toward us, holiness is still right. It may not be popular, but it's still right. And God is coming back for a holy people. Can you give the Lord a great praise tonight? So we don't just believe, but we are persuaded. St. Paul's teaching here about the resurrection is so important because he lists some things about this. that says to us in so many words, if there is no resurrection, note the things that suffer as a result of it. And he takes a whole block of this passage to describe this. He says, for example, if there is no resurrection, then our loved ones who died believing in Jesus, they are lost. They are perished. Forget about ever seeing them again. If there is no resurrection, then, then our faith has been in vain and we are still in our sins. If there is no resurrection, he says, then we have become false teachers and false preachers and we are about deceiving other people. And if there is no resurrection, then Jesus himself did not rise. But he stands back and says, but oh, my friend, there is a resurrection. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. He says, for this cause, we stand in jeopardy every hour. And he talks about the fact that because of this truth, we have this confidence. We have something to look forward to, that there's going to come a moment when this mortal body, though it be sown in the earth at our burial, that God is going to do something miraculous. And he's going to raise this mortal body, not like it was going down, but he's going to raise it immortal and bring it up out of the earth. Oh, somebody give him a praise. Yes, my brothers and sisters, so that which was sown in weakness, he says, is going to be raised in power. That which was sown in dishonor is going to be raised in glory. God's going to do a whole new transformation work. And I don't know about you, but I get excited every time I read this passage and I think about it because he talks to us at, at verse number 51 and verse number 52. He says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye my God he says at the last trump of the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible my God I wonder how fast it is for a twinkling of an eye some people say it's a blink but some people have said it's as fast as it takes light to bounce off your eyeball and God is going to in that short period of time he's going to raise us up and he's going to change us like unto his own glorious body hallelujah this is the expectation of the saints to be like him to be formed into this new and glorious body I can't wait to get a body that doesn't have bad knees I can't wait to get a body that doesn't have arthritis I can't wait to get a body that never gets cold never gets tired never gets too hot but a body like his body 
Hallelujah. The world don't believe it, but the Lord said it so. He talks to us plainly about it. And he says, now, because of these things, I want you to know that death is going to be overthrown. The reason why we die is because of sin. But he says, I've come to destroy sin and all of its works. That means not only did he come to save us, but he came to raise us as well. My God, death cannot be allowed to have the last word. Jesus has the last word for he has come to conquer death, hell, and the grave. The revelator said, I see him and he's got the keys. He's got the keys to death. He's got the keys to hell and he's got the keys to death. Oh, somebody give him a praise tonight. Oh, he's got him. He's got him. He's got him. He's got him. He himself is the first fruit of the resurrection. And afterwards, every man in his own order. I want to just share with you tonight what you already know. That the next thing on God's program is the rapture of the church. And I'm looking forward to that rapture. I'm looking forward to the moment when the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord I'm looking for that great reunion of the saints of the ages to be with the Lord Jesus but the Lord says now because these things are true because I have already set them in motion because even nature tells you that I'm going to fulfill my word I'm going to do it in your time I'm going to bless you to be able to see it he says now because you believe it there is an action that is required from you therefore my beloved brethren be ye steadfast unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord I came to tell somebody this is not the time to take a nap this is not the time to take a spiritual vacation but God says this is the time to rise up and let the world know in whom you have believed this is the time to be faithful. This is the time to get another hold. My God, this is the time to make your calling and your election sure. This is the time to press for the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, be steadfast and don't let anybody move you. My God, he says, I want you to be always about showing and abounding in the work of the Lord, doing what God has called us to do and showing your faith in the Lord because you know now that the Lord himself, the Lord himself is coming back for you. That the Lord is going to come back and collect us to himself and your labor therefore is not in vain in the Lord. The Lord is going to reward us. Payday is coming sooner than you think. Payday is coming and all these calamities will soon be overpassed. No more pain, no more worry, no more bills, no more mortgages, no more stress, no more confusion. But God is coming back to reward us for our work for him. Oh, somebody give him a praise tonight. So the Lord says to us, though the times around you are swiftly changing, I want you to be steadfast. I want you to be the kind of people 
I enabled you to be. I gave you my spirit so that you could live holy. You can't live holy without it. But I gave you my spirit so you can live the way I want you to live. I want to be able to tell other people that when you need a landmark, when you need a beacon in darkness, look at my child, look at my servant, and see how life is supposed to be lived. See how we are supposed to react to the stresses and worries of our day. Ladies and gentlemen, be steadfast. Even in these changing times, even when everything seems to be going upside down, the Lord says, I want you to be steadfast. Be unmovable. Always abounding. Not slacking. Not sleeping. Not worrying about let somebody else do it. But determining in your mind, I'm going to work until the day is done. I've got to see the Lord. And I've got to see him in peace. As I get ready to close tonight, what do you want the Lord to say? What do you want to hear him say? I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. I want the Lord to be pleased. I want the Lord to be pleased. I want the Lord to be pleased with my labor. I want the Lord to be glad that he saved me. Amen. This is why we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So we are to let our light so shine before all men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Don't ever be ashamed of being saved. Don't ever let anybody make you ashamed of the name of Jesus. Don't ever let anybody shame you about being filled with his spirit. Don't ever let anybody shame you because the spirit manifests itself speaking in other tongues as the spirit of God gives utterance. Don't let anybody shame you about living a holy lifestyle, being the husband of one wife and the wife of one husband. Don't let anybody shame you for determining to stay in a lawful marriage. Don't let anybody shame you because you believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. Don't let anybody shame you. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God bless you. God keep you. Pray for us in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.